Did you know that the Pop Culture Preservation Society is on Patreon? Patreon allows you to support our work by becoming dues-paying members of our society. We are an independent, women-run endeavor with a commitment to delivering the highest quality listening experience to our community. And so we've taught ourselves how to record, edit, and produce a podcast in midlife, a time when most of us are asking our kids how to regram a TikTok so that we can deliver episodes that truly speak to you. Support from PCPS patrons means that we can devote more of our time and resources to the content, sources, equipment, software, hosting, and research that you've come to depend on without worrying about how to pay the bills. So thank you. We appreciate you from the bottom of our bell-bottomed hearts. And this is when a nun rolls Pinky down the hall in a wheelchair, and she has like a pink sweatband on her head, Bjorn Borg style, which is supposed to be some kind of band-aid. Hello world, is a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Welcome back to our continuing discussion of Happy Days from our last episode, in which we discussed the characters, the actors, the episodes, and the legacy of Happy Days. But no discussion of Happy Days would ever be complete without talking about Pinky Tuscadero. Pinky Tuscadero was our Sandy before there was a Sandy. And I'm talking about Carnival Sandy, not Rydell High Sandy, because do not lie, we all loved Carnival Sandy. I loved Carnival Sandy. Probably for the same reasons that we love Pinky Tuscadero. Pinky was badass, and she was the only woman to ever fully capture Fonzie's heart. You could tell in this episode, he had probably the most genuine smiles. We'll talk about it a little yes, bit as it goes on, but Karen, that he totally. did in any episode. I was like, I want to freeze the, the screen and just stare at his ear-to-ear, authentic smile. I loved it. I believed this relationship. I believed uh, I did it. too, 100%. Well, as we'll find out, that's good acting, right? Yeah, that was yeah. only acting. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> I totally agree. I No wonder we still remember it, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So anyway, we met Pinky Tuscadero on September 21st, 1976, in a blockbuster season opener called Fonzie Loves Pinky, and the network started promoting her arrival in earnest long before the episodes aired. Like in the summertime, we watched it all summer, so that we were absolutely beside ourselves by the time Tuesday night came. Fonzie has a girlfriend, and it's not some ninny in saddle shoes who comes running every time he snaps his fingers. Yeah, she's um, she's independent, right? And she's, yes. in my yes. mind, she's the female Fonzie. Like she she's, is. Oh, definitely. That's exactly she's, right. She's tough, and she's mm-hmm. got an edge to her. Um, yeah, she was the epitome of cool. And like you just said, a female Fonzie. Um, and she made Fonzie different, in my opinion, because yes. as I rewatched this episode, I could really see a transition in Fonzie's character. Again, that smile that he had, just the way his face lit up, literally, when she was in the room. Um, it was so genuine. It was so authentic. Well, and, and he's like Meta's match. You know how they always say mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. when you know you're in love and like your arguing's different, you're, he's almost, um, as we'll talk about in a minute as we go through the episode, 
in more detail, he definitely has his moments of anger and of um, forgiveness and and all of this, all of these emotions are going through, but you can tell that it's almost like she makes him, I don't want to say a better person, but she makes him uh, more aware of himself than any mm-hmm. of the other girls he's we've seen him with so far. He rises mm-hmm. to the challenge of mm-hmm. Pinky Toscadero, right. essentially. Right? She challenges him. He's never mm-hmm. had anybody challenge him before. Yeah. And that, right. It was and, just the ninnies that came running. Snap yeah. your fingers and they come running. That was his shtick. And that was why we thought we liked Fonzie. But then Pinky Tuscadero comes along and we like this new Fonzie. Mm-hmm. It we was very do. confusing. Yes. I was all in for Pinky Tuscadero because of the snap. Oh. Yeah. I mean, and and – I couldn't stop doing it. I was like Joni in this episode. Oh, yeah. You know, Joni can't stop doing it. Um, I don't <laughs> Even think in Marian 1976. Yeah. yeah. In 1976, well, I wasn't getting this whole nuance, the nuances of like, wow, she's making Fonzie a better person or wow, she's really making Fonzie take a real, you know, introspective look at himself. In me, it was like, oh my God, look how cute her little top is tied up. I love her boots and I love her snap. The boots. Yeah. The and boots. I don't even think I was going into the whole like, and she's so independent and tough and stands up for herself. It was all about the boots and the snap for me. But you do, even if you don't realize it, right. you are perceiving that even at seven years old. You like her for a reason. Maybe right, you can true. only say it's the snaps and you can only say that it's the outfit. I was going to say the uniform, the pinky Tuscadero uniform. <laughs> well, well kind, kind of. of. It was like, kind of. you know, mm-hmm. Fonzie's leather jacket. It was her boots and scarf and, and pants his and, yeah. A with the thumbs and her uh-huh. snapping. And her snapping. And she had those tiny little shorts on that oh, were yeah. like Dallas Cowboys cheerleader shorts. <laughs> and... I can't believe I'm saying this, but she was slamming. I mean, that mm-hmm. outfit was, to say it was body skimming is an yeah. understatement. And yet it didn't really reveal anything. But no, it's tied as, up real high. Like it's tied that up top is tied high. up super high. Like she could not have been a big chested woman and worn that right. top like that because it was tied up real high. But she's, to me, it looked like exactly like her outfit, uniform, whatever you want to call it, is like the Polly Pocket clothes that you just snap on. Yeah. <laughs> They're so tiny that you just, you can They're barely so even get your fingers to maneuver to snap it on her little torso. But I do believe that was one reason we couldn't look away. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say that. It's more than she was – it's not that she was being objectified. She was being objectified. However, she wasn't being overtly objectified because she brought to that outfit the attitude of right. Pinky Tuscadero. And so the boots and the snaps and the scarf and the outfit and the attitude made this package that made us unable to look away from the TV. Right. We could not look away. And we know this all about Pinky from the ads on TV, we don't even have to wait for the episode. The episode had not aired, and we knew everything that we needed to know about Pinky, and we knew that this episode would be different. So Pinky Tuscadero was like a cultural moment. She is an icon for anyone who had a TV in 1976. If you say Pinky to someone over 50, we all immediately go, <laughs> Pinky Tuscadero. Those yeah. two words yeah. go together. And yet, she only appeared in three episodes. Actually, it's just two episodes. It's one hour-long episode, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. then it's a to-be-continued, and we had to wait a whole week (sighs) to see the conclusion in the third episode. It would be like, I mean, it's just stunning to me that we have this attachment and these memories to something from three episodes of a sitcom. And I keep thinking it would be, the equivalent would be like our kids saying, Remember when Jimmy Smits was on Brooklyn Nine-Nine? <laughs> I mean, can you think of anything 
that our kids could hold on to like that in that short period of time. I was really surprised when we started when we started talking about this episode and that we were going to kind of do this deep dive on the Pinky Tuscadero episode. When you kept talking about it, in my mind, I was sort of like, well, which one? Well, which Pinky right. episode? Because in my memory, she's on for much longer. Um, and and to find out that it's just this one very memorable one, but I just, I was really surprised to see that it was like, whoa, she has a flash in the pan. Well, and I think um, that classic 70s to be continued, dot, dot, to dot. To be continued. L- that left, we had a whole week to think about that show. And when I think about other TV shows too, like um, there's a Starsky and Hutch that I've talked about that was to be continued. And I stayed home from Saturday Night Mass. My parents let me stay home <laughs> so I could watch the conclusion. And a lot of the episodes of TV shows that left us hanging, um, I think those left a bigger memory because we had a whole week of just it simmering in our mind and thinking what could happen. And for me in this episode, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, was I thought she maybe was going to die. I mean, that, mm-hmm. there was that aspect of it, too. So, um, so yeah, I think that that whole um, anticipatory feel um, that we get from I these to be right. continued leave yes. um, a more, um, yeah, permanent marker in our minds. We had to wait, and we, had, and we talked about it for seven right. days, right. just waiting to find out about the conclusion. Because I keep asking myself, how did ABC create an icon in just three episodes. Well, I think one huge reason is because Fonzie was such an icon. She became an icon just by association oh. with Fonzie. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think that she was unlike any other female character on TV then, especially when we when we frame it. Like, she's so different from what we expect from a 1950s love interest. Right. So it was so it was such like almost like a 180 of what we'd seen on that show that that's one re- one reason she became unforgettable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of opposites that were going on here because our idea of Fonzie was all of the girls, all of the girls, three girls in every show, the Pulaski twins, you know, a double date, three dates in one night. And then here we have the opposite, one woman, one woman. And it becomes indelible. He found her. I mean, I almost, I probably didn't then, but there probably was part of me that felt sorry for him, that he never had the relationship with anyone, you know, except for Richie's friends and Richie. It was like, he just didn't have any permanence. And there was, it was always kind of sad that he didn't have somebody that he could, a female interest. Really, he didn't have a romantic interest at all. And we had grown to love him so much. We wanted him to be happy and He's not going to be happy unless he meets someone that can, you know, call him, call bullshit on him sometimes. And that can make him smile in that way that you described, Karen. Yep. Right? Because the Pulaski twins did not make him smile like that. They just made him feel powerful. Right. And we knew it was all about necking. Right? When he's got the three (laughs) dates in one night, we know that it's not, those girls don't make him smile. They're just necking. I didn't think they were having sex. I thought they were necking. In this, I mean, I, I've, at one point today, I thought, did we ever see anyone like doing the walk of shame down the, um, you know, those garage no. apartment steps? Did we, was that ever insinuated or was it always the necking? I always thought it was the necking too, but then I thought, did it just go over my head? Oh, that's so, I'm well, so emphatic. And now I'm thinking maybe it could, it could yeah. be over my head. In this episode though, there was a lot of kind of. Oh yeah. That's what made me think about it. They were going to sleep together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, mm-hmm. Yes. 
which maybe we hadn't really seen before. Well, right. and of course, that oh, it went right over my head too. at the time, though. Mm-hmm. But even think about it. The, the, so we have the ads that are leading up to these three episodes, and they were on a cover of Dynamite in a big heart. Right. So it's like cementing, they're cementing the whole yeah. relationship in our minds before it even happens. I mean, the marketing of this was so brilliant. And here we are today talking about it 45 years later. That dynamite cover makes you think that they had a more permanent um, idea in mind for mm-hmm. this character than maybe what actually came mm-hmm. to be. I know, because they certainly invested in it, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And we will talk about that later. Um, TV Guide, so it's not just us. TV Guide ranked this episode number 87 on its list of the 100 greatest episodes on TV. <laughs> in history. Wow. Yes. I mean, I don't wow. know if they're talking about quality. I was just about to say, that can't have memorable. anything to do with the, I don't know. Um, yeah. The quality okay, of- so... Why just three episodes? If Pinky was such a huge fan favorite, why did they write her off the show? It was very clear, very early, that Roz Kelly, the actress who played Pinky, was not really fitting in with the cast all that well. And in most cases, people writing about it in the media would go even further and say things like, discord erupted between Roz and the cast and even the producers. It was bad news. And she has said, Roz Kelly has said, I hear that some people call me abrasive. I'm just myself. Sure, I talk loud once in a while, but that doesn't mean people can chew me up and spit me out. So I think she had quite a chip on her shoulder coming to this very intact cast. And she may have rubbed them the wrong way. You can already tell from that statement that she's abrasive. She says she's (laughs) abrasive, and she says it in a very abrasive way. But she teased people, and they bristled around her, especially when she called Ron Howard Opie. Because he clearly did not like it, he asked her to stop, and she wouldn't. I mean, you can see people who do things like this, right? They think everything oh, yeah. is funny, even though you're like, it's not funny for me. Will you please stop? Right. Right. And so and Opie kind of Howard like is so nice. I mean, my whole thing when I was reading that was, oh, my gosh, some of the nicest people in Hollywood are on this set. And so for you to have not been able to gel with them, you must yeah. have really been a piece of yes. work. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That, I mean, Henry Winkler, nicest guy in Hollywood. Right. Ron Howard, nicest guy in Hollywood. It really sounds, and they're saying that even today, 45 years later, it really does sound like they were the wholesome and loving cast mm-hmm. that they purported themselves to be. At one point, Roz Kelly gave an interview in which she said, and this is like during the filming or during the broadcast of it, I grew up on welfare, so I don't relate to rich kids. And she was referring specifically to Henry Winkler. She was not a fan of his, and it was mutual. Why did they cast her to begin with? Isn't that crazy? When I read that, though, I felt like like that was so interesting because that did not come across. Like, they had a lot of chemistry in this episode, in these episodes. Was on fire. Mm -hmm. It makes no sense whatsoever. And, you know, you keep saying, Carolyn, that he was, his smile was so genuine. He was so genuinely in love with Pinky Tuscadero. And we're like, maybe not. <laughs> maybe he's I know. That really, is some real acting. Really good actor. Yeah. Their chemistry, mm-hmm. Fonzie and Pinky, was magic. Okay, so here are some things to think about, too. This was a very risky move for the writers and the producers because Fonzie was the most popular person on TV. End of story. 
the number one most popular person on TV. That is quite a burden to bear. So were they messing with the formula? Was it a good idea to completely change one part of this very popular persona to a lovable, romantic, one-woman man and allow him to share the spotlight? And I have to wonder if they like second-guessed themselves and then thought, uh, never mind. Well, I think she made it easy for them to second-guess themselves. I think they had one plan going Mm -hmm. into this, which I think was, is a terrible plan only two seasons in to a show as much as, as much as, you know, all of these shows, the formula is the whole, sometimes there's a whole, will they or won't they, will they, you know, like let's go like Ross and Rachel or something. And then they, they put them together. You want them, you want nothing more than for them to get together. But then once they're together, all they do is break them up. Because they yes. realize the cat and oh, mouse. This this was bad. We we needed to wait till the very end. So my thought is that they had this great idea for publicity. Not that they really needed it in 1976, but they that they were maybe were going to put him with one person, and then it turned out to be just kind of hellfire on set. And then mm-hmm. they quickly realized, oh yeah, let's just go back to the way it was. It's fine. This, That's a really I, good I point because usually they don't bring somebody in and have it be an immediate connection. They mm-hmm. bring someone in, they tease it out, and it's the will they, won't they, cat and mouse. No, she arrives and boom, they are a couple and we are all in. Well, and there's some little backstory, right, that they've known each mm-hmm. other before. Yep. Um, but man, right away, there's no more like, oh, this is awkward. Oh my gosh, I feel some tension. It's just boom right away. It is boom within the first well, five mm-hmm. minutes. Of the I'm going to play a little devil's advocate and say, um, I don't think it was that off script or crazy for them to do this. I do think that they did have an intention, kind of like what you're saying of this cat and mouse story that was going to happen. She was going to go off and do her thing, but she was going to come back every once in a while. And they were maybe, Mm. you know, that relationship. Right. And also, this was the first kind of time that we got to see this side of Fonzie. You know, you almost had to have a romantic kind of interest to show this softer side. And I think that perhaps that was how the um, the writers and the producers thought that they could get us to see that Fonzie wasn't all, that there was a deeper part to him. That's oh, my this theory. this was their vehicle for expanding his character. It was. Because, you know, oh, okay. I mean, he had a hard time making commitment because his, his you know, father left him and he's got a lot he's got to work through. And so I love the narrative that Carolyn makes up. Oh, it. yeah. It keeps going. I think Carolyn writes for Wiki <laughs> right. it's, it's very It's very deep. <laughs> so I think it was very planned. <laughs> and had she not been as evidently bitchy as she was, sorry, Roz, I, whatever, but if you hadn't caused the ruckus you had caused. Let's just call it like we see it. Yeah. <laughs> that okay, you would have had, a, you would yeah. have had an ongoing um, character in that show, maybe not every single episode, but you would have come back at the holidays and ratings week mm-hmm. and we would have seen that deeper side of, um, of Fonzie. And they would have promoted it just like they did that summer yep. and we would be, and there we'd be 30 million viewers again every time. Okay, so let's get a little bit into who Roz Kelly was. It's not a super long story because she was most notably Pinky Tuscadero. <laughs> That's the majority of the story right there. <laughs> but she was born Rosalind Schwartz in July of 1943 or 42, depending on what you read, which this is just kind of weird, you guys, because that means that Pinky Tuscadero was the same age as my dad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Isn't that kind of weird? Yeah. Like when I was watching Pinky. When was she born? 1942? 1943 or 1942. Oh, Oh, my mom is in 1943. 
Mm-hmm. My mom's 41. So do you like equate your mom and Pinky Tuscadero? I mean, they're just not no, even from not the so same much, uh-uh. planet. <laughs> oh, I guess I should speak for my own mother. My mother would be happy to hear that she's not at all like Pinky Tuscadero. She would <laughs> be right. like, well, thank she God. She did not aspire to that. <laughs> that she did not. So one of Roz Kelly's very first appearances is as Barbara Streisand's friend in the 1970 movie, The Owl and the Pussycat. She does some more small parts in films, and then she guest stars on Starsky and Hutch a few times. She teams up with David Soule when Paul Michael Glazer, a.k.a. Starsky, threatened to quit during a contract dispute. And the plan was that they were going to replace Starsky with Pinky Tuscadero, <laughs> which I can't, it just makes my mind explode. But then Paul Michael Glazer resolved his contract dispute, and Pinky was out. So the three episodes of Happy Days solidified her as a name, so much so that she appeared on other shows in character as Pinky Tuscadero, (laughs) even after she was booted from Happy Days. It's mostly like variety shows and things like that. But it's sort of like, um, I I can't even think of a good example. Who just comes as their character? Flip Wilson? I don't know. She wasn't Roz Kelly. She was Pinky. So part of that is because we were so attached to the character of Pinky. But ABC perpetuated it because when they booted her, they created a spinoff that featured Pinky Tuscadero 20 years later. So that would have been current day, 1976. It's Pinky Tuscadero in 1976 called Blansky's Beauties. It starred Nancy Walker, who is Ida Morgan Stern, as a kind of house mother to a bunch of Las Vegas showgirls, one of whom is Pinky Tuscadero. So I guess like the motorcycle thing didn't work out. Um, <laughs> that is not in character for Pinky no, Tuscadero to no. become a showgirl. And is really, so that would be like her retirement job. Like she retired from motorcycle demonstrations and demolition derby driving. Well, maybe she has she a motorcycle became, show and she like rides it on like a high wire, but in showgirl attire. And then Carolyn, does a little showgirl. With her storytelling again. She's just making it up. I haven't seen the show, but I'm sure this is how it goes. <laughs> I don't think anyone well, saw that. She's show. like the one in the circus no, that rides no, the, saw the motorcycle. Yeah, that's in the right. Big, the motorcycle yeah, in, in the, the big cage, chain yeah, globe yeah, cage, cage. and right. her sequin leotard. Yeah, right. Um, so Blansky's Beauties also starred Eddie Mecca, the guy who played Car- Carmine Ragusa on um, mm-hmm. Laverne and Shirley. And I love this so much as Carmine's cousin. <laughs> that's <laughs> no. very incestual. A different person. Whole- Just. Make, yeah, get the same Gosh. guy. Just say it's his cousin because they look exactly alike. How right. many of you look exactly like your cousin? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> twins don't even look exactly alike. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, it also starred Linda Goodfriend, um, who would go oh. on after this, would go on to play Richie's girlfriend, Lori Beth. Was um, she still and, Lori Beth? No, she was a different person. This was before But leather she was is on. still leather. Leather? No, leather's not on this leather's show. Leather's not in this show. I mean, no, not pinky. leather. Pinky. Pinky, pinky is still pinky. Yes. Pinky is pinky. Leather's Carmine is his later. cousin. And, and Lori, Lori Beth, Beth is, Lori is Beth not, not Lori Beth. Beth. No. Okay. But it gets better. There's one more character that was on Blansky's Beauties. A young, smart-alecky kid who likes to ogle the girls, played by Scott Bayo. I was just about to say Scott Bayo. Yes. You're not cute. Chachi. But wait, Chachi. what year was this? 1976. Oh, so it was a year. Oh, sorry. It's it was a year right before. before. So this must have been like his audition for being Chachi. Um, yeah, because well, he has I like. I have to go search for he it. He has a little catchphrase and everything. And of course, I can't remember what it is. It's like, wah, wah, wah. But it may not. I don't know. Maybe it is wah, wah, wah. 
But he becomes kind of the star of the show. And then they're like, well, this didn't work. Let's just put him on Happy Days. Oh, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Lasted only 13 episodes. Maybe because Pinky was supposed to be 20 years older, but she looked exactly the same <laughs> as when she was in the three episodes on Happy Days, including the same outfit. She's wearing the same outfit. Oh, well. Yeah, yeah. Does she ever talk yeah. about Fonzie in, the epi- in any of the episodes? I don't think so. That's a good question. But I, no, I don't think so. I think it's just sort of like erase the past, but my name is Pinky <laughs> Tuscadero. It's that Chuck Cunningham syndrome. They just Does she do yes. that? And this yes, never Chuck Cunningham. The yes. snaps? <laughs> I don't recall the snaps, but you know what? I did not rewatch it, and I'm remembering this from watching it in 1976, so my my memory might not be up to par. I know where I lived in 1976. So after after she gets booted and after Blansky's Beauties tanks, she guest stars on all of the shows. Love Boat, Fantasy Island, Charlie's Angels, all of the shows. She does a few slasher films in the early 80s, and then she's gone. She's just gone. And current day Roz Kelly, honestly, I don't even really want to go there because it's like jail, guns, Aww. assaulting someone with her cane. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. And I, I just can see that. And all of it with like well. a cigarette hanging out of the corner of her mouth. <laughs> yeah. She's like that old woman on the Hallmark cards. Yes, with a career <laughs> in her hair. That's right. Do you know who I am? I'm Pinky Tuscadero. And she's still wearing the Come little top here. tied around she's got her, the tied boots up on. under her boobs yeah. and the <laughs> tiny shorts. With her cane oh. and her boots. We're sorry. Mean. Mean. We can't oh. be mean. We are not Let's... mean people. No. But come on. We don't know her. We don't know her. You don't attack someone with a cane. I don't care. Okay, so let's revisit this episode and see what actually happened to capture our hearts and minds so fully. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock. We're going to rock around the clock. In the very first scene of Fonzie Loves Pinky, we are in the Cunningham's living room, and Richie is practicing to be named the student announcer on WZAZ TV's coverage of the upcoming Demolition Derby sponsored by the Leopard Lodge. <laughs> And Howard comes in from his Leopard Lodge meeting with a very special announcement. The Derby would include an appearance by the world's greatest female cyclist, Pinky Tuscadero. World's greatest. The world's greatest. Not Milwaukee's, not Wisconsin's own. No. World's greatest, everyone. And this is Mm. where it's established that they all know exactly who Pinky Tuscadero is. They're like, Mm -hmm. Pinky Tuscadero, even Marion. It's so exciting. She keeps talking. She keeps like doing this and going vroom, vroom. Yeah. 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 And this is where here's a big argument that Mike and I have because I say that Marion keeps pretending to do Papa Wheelies and Mike's like, you don't do a Papa Wheelie. You pop a wheelie. I'm like, no, she's doing a Papa Wheelie. Well, she called it a Papa Wheelie. She said she she does. She does. Yeah. She calls it. Pop a wheelie like a nap. I just can't wait to see her do those pop a wheelies and those wild jumps. She does the pop a wheelie. Exactly. Maybe this yeah. is where I got it. She says like it like that, it but I still don't think that's correct. I think that's just like oh, I don't think it's correct funny. either. Yeah. I think that's us supposedly thinking the that correct she's term a is that she pops a wheelie, but it's Marion being kind of ditzy. Right. Yeah. You guys, this stuff. is a life moment for me because I think what we're discovering is the genesis of me saying pop a wheelie. Oh, maybe yeah. <laughs> And I, I'm so excited. I have to go right now and call Mike. Um, <laughs> hold on, everyone. Hold on. Go get a snack. Just hold on. 
so yeah, Marion is the one who's probably the most excited, which is really <laughs> funny. And remember, this is also the era of Evil Knievel. So mm-hmm, right. there was lots of like motorcycle jumping oh, and yeah. stuff like that in the mid-70s. We really like the 50s and jumping stuff with motorcycles. So next we have Fonzie's garage. Enter the Pinkettes. And we don't know, like, are the Pinkettes, we don't know if they're like backup singers or are they mechanics? Are they just, <laughs> well, we they're wearing handlers. They're wearing jumpsuits. They like are. Mechanics. They're wearing jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Are they just her handlers? Are they just in charge of her motorcycle? They're, We're not exactly sure. They're just like her fly girls. They're her. Yes. They're like what Carolyn and I are going to be when you go on your book tour. Right. You're going to be pinky <laughs> yeah. and we're going to be your pinkettes. You guys are my pinkettes. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm going to get They're just shirts. there to like, they're just there to like boost her up. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. From in my mind, they were always backup singers and I just never put together the fact that they didn't sing anything. <laughs> Nobody was singing, but they were backup singers. Okay. So the pinkettes come in with pinky's pink motorcycle and they are getting us ready for our first glimpse of pinky Tuscadero, the boots, the snapping, and we see her only from the back, and she says to Fonzie, kind of hoping you'd check out my sickle. <laughs> Put a piece of notebook paper in between there first, Fonzie. <laughs> Keeping it clean. Keeping it clean. The sickle. And now I remember calling things sickle. Really? Yes, we did. And you don't even, but you don't say motorcycle. You say motorcycle. No. And a right. sickle. Isn't that a thing that kills people? Yeah, it like cuts wheat. Yeah. Yeah. And they can cut someone's head off. <laughs> I think they, they wow, feel like yeah, I feel there. like the Grim Reaper carries yeah. one or something. Yeah. And she is stunning. And that is when we see that smile. Fonzie <sighs> looks up. Oh my God. Ah, uh, uh, yes. It is the most, I mean, even if you didn't have a crush on Fonzie, mm-hmm. you guys, I'm going to admit, I think I got a little crush on Fonzie in my rewatch. My 54-year-old mm-hmm. self was like, oh my God, Fonzie, I think I love you. Me His too. smile looks like that album cover you showed us last yes. week. Right. That's what I was mm-hmm. going to yes. say. It's full on, yes. I want that Fonzie to love me. Me too. Okay, so what follows after the, the beautiful smile from Arthur Fonzarelli is a musical montage, just like a made-for-TV movie. The musical montage is all we need to establish that Pinky and Fonzie have rekindled their romance, and they are madly in love. Madly in love. And it is so long. This musical oh, montage goes on forever. So long. And it's the super giant faces of them with like their goofy <laughs> smiles over their very obvious stunt doubles doing the yes. Papa Wheelies, Kristen, <laughs> so and the jumps. And they keep using that same footage they just of those stunt doodles. In stunt the same doodles, montage. Stump, stunt stunt doubles. <laughs> doing doodles. the wheelies and the jumps over and yes. over. And it's so super cheesy. And the music is the Happy Days theme song, but it's played real. You know how in the Brady Bunch theme song, when it's like yeah. something sad or serious, it's like, dun, 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 dun. This time it's the happy days, and it's like, and it's so slow and it's so cheesy, and it's absolutely fantastic. It is, and it really does establish their relationship. It's just how they did that, I have no idea. Because by the end of the musical montage, you're like, well, I hope they get married. 
Right. That's a great device. It almost would be nice as writers to be able to have something like that. Like, can I give the whole backstory of all these people? (laughs) Yes. Like this two minute thing. But the whole backstory is like, we jump together. We have wheelies together. And that's it. And we're supposed to believe. And then we smile at each other huge. And it's like, it's the face so big that you can't even see their hair. It's like just their face. The whole TV screen. Almost like the Olin Mills, like the JCPenney Olin Mills, (laughs) like where it's one person up looking off in the distance. And it's, but all they do, it's not like then we see them holding hands or having a picnic lunch and like, you know, walking on the beach or, no, it's just one at a time jumping and popping wheelies, not even together. <laughs> not together. <laughs> Fonzie jumping, then uh-huh. Pinky jumping. Yeah, and that's love. Somehow that it's equals fantastic. Love. I loved it. And one thing I forgot to mention is that we somehow are made to believe. I, I don't even know how they did this. That we know they've had a relationship before, right? And that's why when she comes in and he smiles, maybe that told us everything that we needed to know that these people have been doing it before. In the before times. And now she's Wait. coming back. Now, we can top this out if it doesn't make sense, but I'm just thinking here. Do we know where um, – did Fonzie's mom raise him? Or was he ever in an orphanage or anything? Yeah, I'm wondering, he was in an orphanage, wasn't he? He's an what orphanage. if he was at I the convent? It. I read it in WikiFan. I don't but what right if now. he was – because, you know, Pinky was raised in the convent because her mom dropped her off. True. Oh. And what if it was the same convent where Fonzie was and they were like, you know, maybe were teen boyfriend lovers? whatever. Yeah, teen lovers are just kind they of were were together. And and then remember, she, she left when she was 18 because she was ready to go off. Carolyn, you have such a gift. I'm serious. It's, it's on fire today. Your your storytelling gift is this on fire This all would have come today. out if she had not been such a bitch and stayed on. This right. would have all been parts of the – they would have gone to the convent together for like a fundraiser of motorcycle yeah. jumping. For the former orphans. Right. They would have adopted orphans. Oh, they totally oh would have gosh. adopted an orphan from their previous convent orphanage. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay, so our okay. next scene is at Arnold's. Thank God. Um, And Pinky is sitting in the booth with the Cunninghams while they fawn over her, because, of course, she's the world's best female motorcyclist. Mm -hmm. And they cannot wait to have her over for dinner and watch her famous motorcycle routine at the Derby. And then Fonzie emerges from the bathroom where he has learned some bad news. His Derby partner, because, of course, Fonzie is going to be in the the Leopard Lodge Demolition Derby. His Derby partner, Nookie Newman, Mm -hmm. has broken his leg. It's my second cousin. Yeah, <laughs> Michelle's cousin Nookie. Um, I almost named my daughter that Nookie Newman. <laughs> Just kidding. So he's broken his leg. He has to drop out. And they're like, oh no! But Pinky's like, hey, no big whoop. I'll take his place. I'm a demolition derby driver. And Fonzie rejects that idea as ridiculous because women don't belong in demolition derbies. And instead, Fonzie chooses Ralph Mouth, who is a scaredy cat and doesn't even want to do it. And Pinky storms out of Arnold's. She says, Pinkettes! Oh, and I then love they it. Leave. Oh, I love it. They scramble. They're at the table. They they're totally like the booth, yeah. And they're like, oh, see, that'll be us on your book tour one day. Yes. You're going to have like something. And Carolyn and I are going to be like busy fussing with something, like putting all the books back in the bags. And you're going to be like, Pinkettes! And we're going to be like, wah! And we're going to like throw everything in the air and be like, go, 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 follow her. Totally. Carolyn, let's get pink. Let's get ties to wear around our neck. You like the, little pink the scarves. Scarf. Yeah. 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 My pink oh, ass. definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, we are, we are 
being shown here as young women, pre-women as we were, um, that Fonzie's kind of sexist. Mm-hmm. And he's just overtly sexist. This is no place for girls. Girls don't get to be in the demolition derby, despite the fact that Pinky is an accomplished demolition derby driver. But no. Okay, I'm going to interrupt. Yeah. Because does he ever say that women can't be in the demolition derby? Yes, he actually says. He actually says Women that. don't belong in demolition derbies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I really got the vibe that he didn't think she would be safe and that he was just trying to keep her safe, which I think oh, is this a little is, different. This is your storytelling. That's yes, different. It is. <laughs> that is different. And that comes at the end. Because uh, okay. earlier, yes. uh, Carolyn's got this whole back <laughs> Okay. <story>. Right. <laughs> because earlier they had had a conversation <laughs> over breakfast. They had blueberry <laughs> scones. And oh, I'm like my sixth does, grade students who would, who would like raise their hands proof. like, but and what if, <laughs> what if Julius Caesar really so didn't, whatever. That's like what all my students well, would do. Okay. And in the next scene, Carolyn, this is where, so in the next scene, she's actually having dinner with the Cunninghams and Fonzie comes over. They're in a snit now because he said, no, you can't be my demolition derby partner. And when Fonzie comes over, everybody makes themselves scarce because they want the two of them to talk. And um, so she tries to kind of sweet talk him again in, or, you know, slash seduce him into changing his mind. I have a real problem with this scene. And my problem is that he gets so irate. He slaps the table. He goes, I don't think you should be in the derby. And that's that. And he slaps the table. And that's that. And he gets up and he walks away. And she does something so out of character from what we've seen so far, like the character that they've built her to be so far. Instead of challenging that and standing up for herself, especially after like his hugely sexist comment and then his anger, she turns all baby doll seductress. Like mm-hmm. she's all like, oh, but Fozzie. And she's like, like basically like sexing up on him. Like, yeah. but you wouldn't want to be without me. Sitting on and his lap. That is not mm-hmm. what we've seen. I know we've only now seen her for a total of 10 minutes. <laughs> but in that 10 minutes, she's a strong, independent woman. And she would not put up with that. Like she would not put up with him, especially the banging on the table and his whole, and that's that. No, and I know, and listen, everyone, I get that we're going, we're back in the 50s. That was the, the that was the, the gender roles back then. But then don't, then don't make it lead us to believe up to that point that she's this strong, tough, independent woman. Well, she is a strong, tough, independent woman. I'm going to argue again. <laughs> she knew exactly what she, whole, she mm-hmm. knew exactly what she was doing. That's why she did it was to manipulate him. I mean, to me, she had the upper totally. hand. And I think he's getting angry and stuff because he's realizing, oh, my gosh, this woman is messing with my head. Like, all of a sudden, I'm having these feelings that I've never had really before for someone. Because, you know, their relationship still is, in my mind, progressing. And he's like, whoa. Like, he's almost stopping himself as much as anything else when he bangs on the table. Um, I think this is... You know, we see her like, okay, if I've got to play that card, I'm going to play it because by golly, yeah. I'm going to be in that um, in that demolition derby and you're not going to stop me. So let's see if this works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I see her as playing that card is so beneath her. Like I see that being that whole like seductress, like the, oh, like the baby doll, like the baby talk and the everything mm-hmm. from what I saw of her so far. I feel like that is just like, that's almost like she's selling out like herself. Well, let's to be real. That. that scene was likely written by men. So they're in their minds what they yeah, think would have happened, right? And I did uh-huh. see it as pure manipulation. Like, I did see her as having the upper hand. This manipulation is her upper hand. And yet, this is how men would think that women have the upper hand. Yeah. 
Okay, next scene. We're moving on to Arnold's. They're still in a snit. Ralph Malf, who I thought <laughs> I thought his last name was Mouth. Ralph Malf runs in to share the news that the Malachi brothers have arrived. The Malachi brothers oh, are their opponents no. in the demolition derby, and they're destroying cars in the parking lot. Oh no! <laughs> so by the time Fonzie arrives. Pinky is sitting in Count Malachi's lap while he is kissing her up and down her arm, which is also a very 70s thing. Mm-hmm. Wasn't this is like this is not something you see anybody do on TV anymore. Kissing no, because it's gross. Kissing, it's because weird. Because it's totally it's gross. Used, but when we played like yes. boy and girl, we always kiss up and down their arm because that's what they all did. Can yes. you remind people listening how we know that that, that he's Count Malachi? I don't have any idea. <laughs> his cost his outfit. He looks like oh, he's yes, part of the Three right. Musketeers. He has oh, like yeah. the big hat with like the the cowboy hat with like the one brim folded up with the giant <laughs> feather, and he has like the big cape on. Well, yeah, because they had so just seen preposterous and ridiculous. It's hilarious. And yeah. he talks in Three Musketeers. Speak. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They, yeah. Like Sir they, Fonz. He keeps yes. saying Sir Fonz. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, of course, he boots his brother, the other Malachi, as his partner. And he says that Pinky is going to be his driving partner instead. Ooh, Fonzie does not like this. Fonzie's jealousy helps him chase, change his mind. And he says, The itinerary of drivers has been changed. Pinky, you drive with me. And she's instantly like, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> because she got what she oh, wanted. Works. She knew what she yeah, was doing. Works. And she got oh, what she sure. wanted. So after Fon says, Pinky, you drive with me, you get to see Fonzie and Pinky make up. And he absolutely melts with her. In contrast to his regular persona, which is that he overpowers women. And this is the first time we've seen Fonzie melt. And it's Mm -hmm. just, they dance and he's doing that smile. There's real passion and conflict between these two people. Yeah, it's yes. the classic Fonzie dance, the classic Fonzie slow dance where they yes. just t- they just yeah. press their mm-hmm. cheeks together side to side. That's right. They have their cheeks together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it is also noted that Pinky will now officially be the first woman driver in the Demolition Derby. Bum, bum, bum. Okay, back to Fonzie's garage. The Pinkettes have been left to guard Pinky's Derby car. And the Malachis con them into leaving. Oh, no. And then they (laughs) sabotage the engine with a sledgehammer. Yeah. And the engine is, like, in parts. Like, it's not like, oh, I have to tighten a few screws or whatever. I mean, they had taken a sledgehammer and all these parts were everywhere. (laughs) I just thought, that ain't happening. But it's TV. The writers weren't mechanics. (laughs) Okay. So now it's the day of the derby. And we're assuming that Fonzie and Pinky are busy at work fixing their derby cars. And the Cunninghams are getting ready in their house to go to the derby. They're like rushing around. They're trying to get out the door. And Joni comes down with a blow dryer that you would never find in the 1950s. (laughs) It's like a full-on Dorothy Hamill blow dryer. It's not a hair dryer. It looks like a gun that you'd put in a holster. It's like a Con Air. Yeah, it's like a Con Air. (laughs) It's like a Vidal Sassoon thing. And she says that Fonzie has asked her to bring the blow dryer from the 1970s to the Derby in the 1950s. And then then I love that real quick before we get to the Derby – Richard Richie, of course, is still, you know, just being Richie. And, and Howard's like, Richard, go to the field and sit on it. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, go to the field and sit on it. 
So um, at the Derby, Howard and Marion are both at the mic and they're fumbling because they're trying to stall until Fonzie arrives. So there's all this tension that is built up like, where is he? Will he show up? What's going to happen? And like you said, Michelle, Richie is giving ongoing commentary in front of this giant camera that is about the size of like a a powder room, essentially. (laughs) And it, and he's like the camera's following around on the big wheels. Where's Fonzie? Time is running out. And then bum bada bum, both Fonzie and Pinky come careening around the corner <laughs> in their fixed derby cars. Nice try, Malachis. <laughs> I mean, it's just like here they come. So the derby is about to begin. And there are lots of shots from inside the cars as the contestants talk to one another. They've got like these little walkie talkies and they're all like, like checking in with each other and stuff like that and getting ready. And Fonz says, Pinky, where's your helmet? And she says, I don't like a helmet. It's not me. You know that. Foreshadowing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That talking back and forth on the walkie talkies was the scene where I was just supremely manilowed. All of a sudden, I was like... Oh my gosh, like I remember that it just came flooding back to me when that was happening on there. It was just mm-hmm. um it was amazing. The feeling when they're I talking got to each other inside it. the car. Yes. It was like yes. I was the kid yes. again watching that part. That was the first time in rewatching it this episode that I felt that. Like, oh my gosh, and I'm part of a that, kid again. Part of that could because could be because it's very sweet. I know it sounds strange. It's a demolition derby. But the talk between Pinky and Fonzie gets very, very sweet. There's lots of really cute, encouraging walkie-talkie talk between Fonz and Pink. And he's like, way to go, Pinky. And watch out, sweetheart. And then she'll say, I took the hit for you, Fonz. Why'd you do that, Pinky? I'd do anything for you. You know that. Howdy, girl, Pinky. That's why I love you. I mean, there's lovey-dovey going on yeah. during mm-hmm. the Demolition During the Demolition Derby. Derby, which is basically just a giant game of bumper cars. Like, it is bumper cars. It's the stupidest yes. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Have, have you, you ever been to a Demolition Derby? I have. Oh, my God. It was no. the best day of my life. It was, it was one of the best days of my life, too. Yes. I had so much fun. My one dad of, took Honestly, me. one it of the so best great. days of your life. In 1975. Wow. Top 10 with Mm -hmm. my dad. It was such a great memory. And like there were some famous like Houston celebrities, like the quarterback for the Houston Oilers was driving one car. And then like (laughs) some DJ and the weatherman. And, you know, you picked a car in the beginning. I'm like, the yellow Volkswagen bug is going to win this one. And you're like, no, the bug got crunched. No. How? 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 Loved it. I loved, loved, loved. It was definitely a thing in the 70s. It was a thing. This was a thing. For sure. It's it's hilarious, but it is. Well, and you can tell thing. it's a thing. I mean, they've got cheerleaders there. Yes. They've got a snack bar. <laughs> On the demo derby team. They've got the oh giant like Battle of the Network Stars cheerleaders with the giant <laughs> pom-poms. Huge pom-poms. Yes. You were in, I thought you were going to say, you were like, with the giant pom-poms. <laughs> You can okay, call whatever so you want. Um, one by one, so the Malachis are really—they're no good. They're—they're ne'er do wells. Also, one by one, they are using dirty tricks to eliminate all the other drivers, and then Fonzie uses the anachronistic blow dryer to foil the flower trick. And the flower trick is that the Malachis will—this is so made up. This is so Hanna Barbera. <laughs> I can't even take so it. So bad. They will drive by their opponent and they'll grab a handful of flour—not flowers. But yeah. flour, like you're baking cookies, and they will throw it through the mm-hmm. window. They just and then keep it like a pound in of- your face, and you're like, "Oh, I can't <laughs> see, I can't see," and I'm gonna lose the demolition Whoa! derby. Uh-huh. It's so dumb, and Mar- and then that makes you out. 
Because you have flour in your the, face, you're out. The malachis are like the Don Knotts and Tim Conway of yes. the demolition derby. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, so they use the flour trick on Fonzie, but whoa, here's the blow dryer that Joni brought, and he just goes, and he blows the flour back at Count Malachi. But hello, is he plugging it in? What? what well, is, how? I well, there's understand. that. But also, let's just all take a second to go through the physics of this. If someone <laughs> threw a handful of flour at you and you blew with a hairdryer, even if it was a magic hairdryer and it didn't have to be plugged in, the flour wouldn't... All of a sudden, the Malachi brother that threw it, his face is just solid white. Yes! It, 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 it was reverse course. If you, if you blew the hairdryer, it would just blow that flour like poof in the air. It's just so funny. I just thought I could imagine the entire team of writers... Um, oh my god! And they just started to get like drunk or something, and they're like, "What is the most ridiculous thing we can do? What Let's if he do has a them. blow dryer." God, <laughs> I mean, didn't at Fonzie... the time we all thought that was fantastic, right. of course. But why go Fonzie? Winkler, like when he's when he's blowing the blow dryer, how come Fonzie didn't go? You guys, where would I have plugged this in? That didn't occur to him. <laughs> I don't understand. I wanted. Let's get mm-hmm. back to Fonzie and Pinky. Yes, this derby was fine. It was fun. It was fun for, yes, the first 82 minutes. And now it's just like going on. <laughs> but and he on. is and so we're not even during the derby. We're not even done. There's a lot oh, more no, derby. Oh, no, there's a lot more coming. Oh, so Fon- much more. Fonzie, in, Fonzie and Pinky in the derby, this is, a, this is a derby love affair, and he is so <laughs> caring. I love this version of Fonzie so much. They're like blowing kisses to each other, although she does this weird like bunny nose thing, which I think she should not have done. That was weird. And he says things like, you be careful. I want you in one piece. And then he does lots of maneuvers to protect Pinky. And he kind of, I'm watching this, you guys, and I'm like, oh my God, Fonzie is just like my husband. <laughs> That's exactly what my husband would do. He would put his car in between mine and Count Malachi. Aw. I know. I would put my car in between you and Count Malachi. Thank you, Carolyn. You're welcome. I wouldn't because I would not be in a car to begin with. (laughs) You would not be in a car. I'd be one of the cheerleaders over on the side shaking my pom poms. And really, it's Fonzie who is the caring one because Pinky is mostly going, woo! Woo! She's very reckless. She's reckless. And she's She's not even wearing a seatbelt. No, no, God, no. Oh, my God, no. The rest of them were. So Fonzie sees the Malachis setting up to do the Malachi Crunch on Pinky. The Malachi mm. Crunch is a form of double teaming, essentially. They're going to smash her in between their cars. And then, oh, no, Pinky's car is stalled. And then you're watching. You're like, wait, is she getting out of the car? No, Pinky, no. <laughs> and then, of course, they do the Malachi Crunch. Pinky rolls off the hood of the car onto the ground and everything stops and Fonzie gets out of the car and he runs over to Pinky and he's cradling her on the ground. Which you should never t- do, by the way. You should never pick up someone yeah, like don't that. She could have had broken a broken person. neck. Yeah. yeah, don't pick up the broken person. She takes off her pink scarf and she gives it to him for luck. And then they kiss Romeo and Juliet style and Pinky is whisked away to Fister Hospital for x-rays. Just in case. Right, but I think it's funny. He's like been cradling her. And then as they take her, he's like, be careful. Be careful with her. Be careful. I'm like, well. (laughs) They're acting like she's dying. When she just, she rolled off the hook. I think I thought she was dying. I I thought she was dying for about Pinky. Yes. Yeah. No one hit her. She just rolled off. And she's limp in his arms like all her bones are broken. 
Uh, every <laughs> single one. She can't even hold up her arm. Oh, except she can take off her scarf and give it to her. And Richie's, um, and Richie's commentary even confirms that she's going to be fine. Pinky appears to be okay, but as a precautionary measure, they're rushing her to the hospital for x-rays. <laughs> it's very noble, though. It is very noble. He's the ambulance was my favorite character. Oh, yeah. It's this, like there. Um, Derby. Mm-hmm. I know, but it, it was there immediately. But, oh, it's just, I, I know, I realize it's a 1950s ambulance, but it was just so funny. It's just like <laughs> so old and long and giant. And <laughs> it's like from Laurel and Hardy. It looks sort of like a hearse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> from Laurel and Hardy, exactly. <laughs> and Richie is still commentating. Did you see that look on Fonzie's face? Fonzie is really angry. It's so funny. And Fonzie really is on a mission. And he uh, he gets in his car. And it's really kind of sad, actually, because he's got this sort of this, this combo of sadness and sorrow and vengeance. And he says to the camera, this is for you, Pinky. And then it says on the screen, to be continued. Oh, oh gosh. Mm-hmm. And we have Loved to it. wait a whole week. We have a to wait a whole week. week. Our listeners are all like, oh, thank God. Now we can wait till next week. Nope. nope. We're going to keep on nope. going. Okay. So let's pretend it's the next Tuesday night. We okay. waited a whole week. We talked about it all week with our friends. Mm-hmm. And now we have just Fonzie against the Malachis. Yep. It's two against yep. one. We're about to get another 86 minutes of derby As, um, crashing. That's right. <laughs> this one's going to be a lot over a lot quicker, though, because Fonzie, he's got something up his sleeve. Because almost immediately... Fonzie's car stalls. And you're like, what? Oh, no. (laughs) And he sits in the middle of the ring while the count circles him, taunting, taunting, taunting. He's so mean in his little, you know, his, I was going to say three's company talk. That's not right. What is that show? It's like the Three three Musketeers. Musketeers. It's like, yeah. Same thing. It's the same. It's the same. Okay, but just kidding. JK, Fonzie starts his car. It was all a ruse. And he rams Count Malachi. He was faking. Malachi gets out and he runs away and he's begging Fonzie to let up to let up on me. He's going, Fonz, Fonz, what are you doing? He's over. It's not fair. I haven't got my car. And Fonzie runs him down as he runs away and pins him in the porta potty. That's a great scene. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Again, Sir again, Fonz. it's a total Don Knotts, Tim Conway move to have him be impinned in the porta potty. Well, and to be chased, to have Ch- to have Fonzie chase down a man on foot. When Fonzie is in his car. I mean, that's kind of scary. Yeah. That's humor. That's humor. Mm -hmm. Howard tries, Howard, so he's won. Fonzie's the big winner of the Demolition Derby, and Howard tries to give Fonzie his trophy, but Fonzie's like, Where's my lady? Where's Pinky? Uh, She's at Fister Hospital. Fister Hospital, all right. (laughs) And he hops on his motorcycle. He gets out of his car. His motorcycle is right there, and he zooms away to Fister Hospital. I like how it's always you always have to make sure we all know that it's Fister Hospital. It's Fister Hospital. Because by the way, Fister listeners, the this podcast is brought yeah. to you today by the good people at Fister, Fister Hospital. Hospital. <laughs> in the same episode, though, they also go to Fister's Emporium. And okay, something was Fister up with that. Park. Uh-huh. The, the yes, demolition derby's at Fister Park. Yes. Oh, you guys, we've got it. Yes. Carolyn, that is a good job for you. You got to figure out what is the meaning of that. Right. Well, and at the end of the show, like in the last seasons, when Fonzie is dating Linda Pearl and he's going to get married to Linda Pearl, that's Ashley Fister. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. wow! Oh my Do gosh! They own the town? Okay, there's a there's a backstory, which is why I keep saying Fister Hospital because it okay. just 
they're so overt about it. She's mm-hmm. going to Fister Hospital. Going to Fister Hospital. I think most of yeah. the in most shows they'd be like, she's going to the hospital. <laughs> well, and but you know what? I stayed in the Fister Hotel in Milwaukee. I did. <gasps> So. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> this is a nod to Milwaukee. Okay, people from Milwaukee, start DMing us right now because we did not do this yeah. research. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking. She's so. researching on the fly. On the fly. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is important yeah. to me, but I am still present Kristen's and gonna, listening. Yeah. Kristen's going to okay. continue. We're at the okay, hospital. So now. we're at the hospital now. We're at the hospital. And Fonzie tells Richie he's about to do something very uncool. He wants to ask Pinky to marry him. And he says, it's super cute. He's like, I got these feelings. And Richie says, you love her. And he says, I love her? Yeah, I love her. (laughs) And he allows himself to start fantasizing. I'm going to buy her a little house, you know. And we'll have a little picket fence, you know. And uh, I'll buy her a little dog. Because I love dogs. Oh, I didn't know you liked doggies. I said dogs. Fonz with a dog. Yeah. What what would you name a dog, Fonz? I don't know. Only, uh, Spunky. A dog, not a doggy. Right, not a doggy. (laughs) He can have a dog, but not a doggy. A dog. Doggies are not cool, but dogs are cool. And this is when a nun rolls Pinky down the hall in a wheelchair, and she has, like, a pink sweatband on her head, Bjorn Borg style, which is supposed to be some (laughs) kind of Band-Aid. Is she supposed to have had a head injury under all that hair? And they just put – you know what she looks like? She looks exactly like uh, Stephanie – Oh my God. And heart to heart. Um, yes. Yeah, Stephanie Powers. Stephanie Powers. Stephanie Powers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, it's like barely even just sitting on top of her hair. Because they don't want to smash her hair down. It's not right, even right. touching. It's, it's not, not even stopping touching the bleeding anything of anything. Also, we saw yeah. her fall from that car. She has no head injury. No. But I just thought it was so funny that they just put like the pink headband down on her hair. It's more I like a ribbage so than a bandage. And <laughs> yeah. of course, as we've said, it's pink. She's like, no, get me a pink one. Everything I have is pink. Yeah. yeah, it's just barely touching. It's not touching any skin. It's just sitting on top of her head. Yeah. Like, yeah. good work. And again, what are she bandaging? Because nothing happened to her. And right there in the hospital, Fonzie proposes to Pinky. Pinky, you know, uh, I mean, we've been together now. We're getting along pretty good, huh? Better than pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I think. So that brings me to my next point, you know. Let's do it. Over my dead body. <laughs> and I'm sure as a kid, I had no idea what she was No, no, no. About. But it was. I thought it was pretty right. funny. And they both laugh. Actually, it almost yes. looks like, if you watch it again, it almost looks like they break character a little bit. Yes. When she says it, because they laugh and it's almost like a genuine laugh. Um, I thought that was really funny. Yes. Um. And she says, how am I going to learn how to spell Fonzarelli, huh? Well, you learned how to spell Tuscadero, didn't you? Cute. So it's all good. Yeah. It's when all we were good. together in the convent, remember? Yes. We were remember when we were team lovers in the orphanage together? <laughs> this is our destiny. Okay, so everything's good. Her head injury, I'm sure, is all healed by oh, now. Yeah. It's gone. Um, time has passed, and we're at the Cunningham's house, and Fonzie arrives with a very official-looking briefcase, because he is now president of Pinky Incorporated. 
Not only will she not stop driving like he was fantasizing about in the hospital, but she has been invited to appear on the Ed Sullivan show (laughs) with her sickle. And Fonzie is going to go with her and support her career. And he says to Richie, I'm going to have to wear a tie. And Richie kind of sees, he sees that this is a little bit of a worry. He's got a little anxiety about this. And Richie says, are you sure you want to go on the road with Pinky? Because I'm going to miss you. Same. I know. Okay, you guys, did we really think Fonzie was going to leave the show? Yes, for sure. I think he's leaving the show. Um, however, now watching it back, I was sort of like, of course, because now I'm like seeing all the holes and the inconsistencies mm-hmm. in this. I'm like, wait, this is kind of a 180 from what we've just seen in the first part of the episode, right? Like now he's like going to just carry the briefcase and go That's support right. her career. Like there's no reason he couldn't do that and still be Fonzie. Um, right. But now he's like, well, no, I'm going to wear a tie and be a businessman now. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that as a little girl, of course you do. Mm-hmm. Of course you think he's going to leave. I can't imagine. I mean, this show would have been over for me if there was no Fonzie. I can't, I don't remember what I thought, but in that moment, it sounds as if Fonzie is leaving Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then the Pinkettes arrive at the Cunningham's house and they give Fonzie his first paycheck from Pinky Incorporated. And they say, don't you worry, she'll take care of you. And er, Fonzie Mm -hmm. doesn't like this. Yeah, it's a little too emasculating. It was very emasculating, and his ego is showing, and he says, she paid me like an employee. That was the straw. That's the proverbial straw, that check. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's when he's like, yeah, no, this isn't going to work for me. Right. And so then we go to Arnold's for their engagement party, having just come from that conversation where he says, she paid me like an employee. And Fonz asks to speak to Pinky alone. So they clear out Arnold's. Everybody leave. Everybody leave the engage- in the engagement party. I have to talk to Pinky. And he says to her, I can't be Mr. Tuscadero. And she says, but I can't do it without you. I'll stay here with you. And he says, no, you can't give it up. Maybe we'll get back together again someday. Oh, there's Carolyn's heart. story. Leaving mm-hmm. it open. There's yep. Carolyn's story of what that they intended. Were, was she only going to be on for three episodes? Mm-hmm. And Carolyn said, I thought maybe, you know, they were going to leave it open. But yeah, that's a good, that's. Mm-hmm. You guys, I thought that was so sweet. Like, it was such a classy, class, a classy breakup. But at the same time, it was all very abrupt. Like, they both were suddenly yes, very right. okay with it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you love to see that, right? Like, it's so unrealistic. But I was really, like, happy with how, like, big they were both were. Yeah. Again, when I was seven years old, I had no clue. You right. probably just were like, oh, uh, right. they're, they're, broke, they're breaking up. But like now as an adult, we're, mm-hmm. I like how we study these shows now. We're I know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 30 minutes ago, they were madly in love. Now they're breaking no. up at their engagement party. Yeah. They're just like, okay, all right. right. I'll miss you. I'll miss you too. Right. But at, at the same time, so it all happened very sweetly, but why did it happen? Again, because he's a chauvinist. <laughs> And he doesn't want to be Mr. Tuscadero. He doesn't want to support her career, even though at least he's moved the needle enough to be able to say, no, this is important for you. You need to go and race your motorcycle. Um, But he can't get his ego out of the way to be with her. Okay, so they let the others in. They've broken up, right? And they, uh, they, they don't tell everybody that they've just broken up. They just let the engagement party ensue. And a photographer asks for a picture of Mr. Tuscadero. And Pinky says, That is not Mr. Tuscadero. 
That's the funds. Yeah. And you guys, I swear to God, when I typed that, I got goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> That's the funds. Well, fun fact. If you guys remember in our episode last week, I talked about Jerry Paris being a director yeah, of yeah, a lot yeah. of the episodes. And he was um, Jerry Helper, Dick Van Dyke's next door neighbor on the Dick Van Dyke show. And he was the photographer in this episode of Happy Days. I didn't even notice Cameo. that. I'll have to go back and watch Cameo. this. Cameo, asking for a picture it. of Mr. Tuscadero. After the party is over, we have the ending musical montage. It is the exact same footage from the beginning of the show <laughs> with Pinky and Fonzie doing Papa Wheelies and smiling really big on the screen. But this time, it's not a falling in love montage. It's a goodbye to love montage. Goodbye to love. <laughs> I feel like on this time at the end, though, at least they showed them riding their motorcycles together, holding hands. In oh, this one, they? at the very end of it, okay, yeah. But it was all the same. It was all the up. same. Papa wheelies and and, yes. and jumps with the stunt doubles that are so clearly not them. Yes, um, and it's the same. Sunday, Monday, <laughs> happy days. And then oh, she puts on her pink helmet. He gives her a thumbs up. And she zooms away with the pinkettes on her heels, and Fonzie rides away into the sunset with Richie. And he says, don't worry about me. I have a date with the Pulaski twins tonight. And boom, the old Fonzie is yeah, back. Yeah, that was a little abrupt. I feel it like they could have let abrupt. him respect their re- his relationship with Pinky a little bit more. Yes. That was a little gross to me. Like, yes. just give it another week. Right. Let us, well, I let think us that's sit with this for a bit. He didn't like... When he would feel vulnerable and emotional, he quickly wanted to get out of those moments. Yeah. Like, so I think that's why he said it. He didn't want to be sad about Pinky. He's like, I'm okay. I'm going to yes. be cool, Fonzie, like you had said before, Michelle. Um, and I'm already back. Like, look at me. It didn't really phase me. It really did phase him, but he doesn't oh. want to show us that. So mm-hmm. we, he's moved on to the Pulaski twins, but he'll never, he'll never be over Pinky. So he's really quipping is what he's doing. Oh, he's definitely. Deflecting. He's deflecting. Oh, he I'm deflects good. in I'm a not, lot of this that's episode. That's not a tear. That's not a tear. Right, I'm exactly. I'm going out with the Pulaski twins tonight. Fancy needs okay. a therapist. So, uh, yeah, he definitely yeah. does need a therapist. <laughs> so at the end of this, I don't know, I just felt like it was breaking all the rules of storytelling because he breaks up with her. It feels like in order for us to have sympathy for him – she should have broken up with him and then be like, oh, no, Fonzie. But no, he broke up with Pinky. And then it's because he doesn't want to be second banana and she's fine with it. It's just sort of a continuation of the chauvinism that he showed in the beginning when he didn't want her to drive with him. And isn't he supposed to show some kind of growth at the end, like some sort of movement? Isn't that what storytelling is all about? But instead, he's just doing the same exact thing as he did in the beginning. I don't know. I I, I struggled with that. I don't, I don't agree, Kristen. Okay. Sorry. You know, I go a little bit deeper because you remember when he, um, is saying like that he doesn't want to go on the road and all that. I mean, she says, okay, I won't go. Like mm-hmm. she offers to stay with him mm-hmm. and he doesn't want her to, to give that up. So I think he, he has to say it has to be on his terms because she might give it all up and he knows that really she can't. So mm-hmm. I honestly think he's doing it um preemptively so that um she doesn't you know say oh it's okay and beg him to stay because that's what brings her joy and he wants her to be happy mm-hmm. and he's going to let her have that experience. So I don't think he did it to be a jerk. I think Oh, I don't a, think yeah, he I don't... did it to be a jerk. I think he that was that was 
that could be an example of his growth is that he's prioritizing her um, aspirations, but he can't get over his own ego in order to support her aspirations. Well, I, I just, I don't feel like he had the same chauvinism that he had at the beginning. Like, I do think there was growth because I think by the end he was willing to see her as her own person and as a success and not just as his stereotypical wife, but being her employee and being kept by her and catering to her wasn't who he truly was. So he was able to honor who she was, respect who she was, but he had to honor who he was too, truthfully. Mm -hmm. Um, So in that sense, I feel like he did grow, but, you know, maybe like 75, 80%. And I also think that the the writers, they probably had to do a really fast pivot when they realized Pinky oh, wasn't yes. going to work out. Yeah. Yes. So, They're yes, like, they abort, probably abort did throw up this all together. But I do think that he, I do think that he didn't, I don't think he reverted back to how he was at the beginning. I think he was able to see her You guys, as, I'm like, I'm trying so hard not to laugh right now. I'm like holding it in because we are sitting here having book club <laughs> about Fonzie and Pinky like it's Pride and Prejudice. We truly are. I'm it's very important to us. To we laugh. have very important po- points, Kristen. That's right. I don't want anyone to think he's a male chauvinist. <laughs> I think he really has evolved. True. It is true. You know what? And I hope our listeners, and I know most of our listeners do, get it. And I think they are probably, hopefully you guys listening, are feeling as impassioned about this <laughs> very important matter and discussion of if Fonzie showed growth or not. And provide examples. Yes. That's right. You can Does write he a, respect the woman? a supporting sentence. <laughs> oh my goodness. You guys, this concludes our marathon coverage of the 1970s most iconic sitcom, Happy Days. Thanks for hanging out with us for two straight weeks as we picked apart every ounce of this long-lived piece of our childhood, from Lori Beth to Leather and Potsy to Pinky. It caught us when we really needed to be distracted from the news, much like today, and it swept us up in an era that looked like a really fun time to be a teenager, which is why we all showed up every Tuesday night. So I will leave you with these wise words we heard every week all those years ago. Goodbye, gray sky. Hello, Blue. Nothing can hold me when I hold you. Feels so right. Can't be wrong. A rockin' and rollin' all week long. Thank you for listening, everybody, and have a great week. Yes, and join us next week when we'll be rockin' and rollin' about more nostalgic topics. You guys know what makes me so happy? That every single week, our listener numbers grow. Like our little line graph is just climbing up, 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 up like that um, little yodeler mountain climber on The Price is Right. It just keeps going up, 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 up. And that is thanks to all of you who listen and who share our podcast with others and who take a minute or less to click the stars where you listen and write a nice review. And this week we are giving a very special birthday shout out to patron and all around wonderful PCPS supporter, Gail, who is having a birthday on Wednesday. Day. Thanks to the little birdie who told us about that. Gail, we hope your birthday is the grooviest and that your coming year is as wonderful as a Dr. Pepper lip smacker and as exciting as a day at the roller rink where they do not do couple skate. Happy birthday, Gail. Um, and shout outs are also going out to our newest supporters on Patreon, Amy, Megan, Melanie, Kristen, Julie, and Linda. Thank you all so, so much. 
Um, and if you're interested in checking out our Patreon page, just go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and put our name up in the search bar or you'll find clickable links all over the place um, on her um, Instagram, Linktree, um, in these show notes and at our website. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast courtesy of the cast of Three's Company. To good times. To happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. Cheers. 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 Information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to me, the Crushologist, and Carolyn and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, I guess there's always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded at Modern Well, a woman-centered co-working space in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you.